This podcast and the many that follow are proudly brought to you by our partner, Titleist, the number one ball in golf. Now, as it relates to earning an edge, our friends at Titleist have been the leaders since the early 1900s. And in order to compete and win at the highest level, frankly, there's no room for second best. For this reason, the best players in the world trust Titleist. Welcome back to the Earn Your Edge podcast. I'm Corey Lundberg. And I'm Cameron McCormick. And we are joined today by Zach Boshu and Victor Hovland, members of the number one ranked college men's golf team, the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And we catch them right in the middle of an unprecedented run coming off of a national championship last year. And they've kicked off this season with three team victories and individual winner from each of the tournaments that they've played in so far. Both are All-Americans, have been named to the Ben Hogan Award watch list, Palmer Cup players. Zach won the last two Canadian Amateur Championships. And last summer, Victor won the most prestigious event in amateur golf, USAM, at Pebble Beach, which is a pretty good lead-in to our first question. We may date this podcast just a little bit as we're recording on the first week of April. But Victor, do you have anything special planned for next week? Anything on your calendar at all? Yeah, there's this uh, tournament in Georgia I've heard uh, some things about. So I'm, I'm playing in that one coming up. Is it's that the one they give out a green jacket to the winner in? Yeah, something like that. I think I've heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, I, I know that we're going to dig in more to your master's prep here, but we're excited to catch you guys right in the middle of this wave of success that you guys ha- are having both individually and as a team. And we'd love to kind of just dig in and see if we can identify some of the reasons behind that success and, and unpack some useful actions for our listeners to take. So to start us off, why don't we just give each of you just a quick 90 second version of kind of your early involvement in golf and, and kind of how you landed in Stillwater. Zach, I'll kick to you first. Okay. Um, yeah. So I kind of learned the game from my dad. We lived on a course and, uh, like I did us kids starting at six and kind of like was successful through that. And then, um, played AJGA through high school and was lucky enough to be recruited at Oklahoma state. Where did you grow up, Zach? Lynchburg, Virginia. And then what were the accolades that allowed you to be recruited by Oklahoma State? I think it's an important perspective to paint a picture of uh, what it takes to be recruited by a school as strong in golf as OSU. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to be named the the AJGA first team All-American maybe my junior and senior year of high school. So those were kind of the things. I I never won an invitational, but I I finished second a couple times. Beautiful. And, uh, And Victor? Yeah, kind of the same with, uh, with Zach. I got introduced to the game by my dad. He used to work in the United States, and um, when he was done working, he came back home with a golf set. And I'm from Oslo, Norway, so that's a little a ways away, and <laughs> golf is not the biggest sport in Norway, but uh, he got, got me into the sport, and I wasn't really good at it as a junior growing up, but I kind of steadily got better every year. And uh, I played pretty decent my my last year as a junior. And um, Coach Braden, I think, saw me for the first time when I played a European Boys Team Championship in Scotland and just kind of kept an eye out for me. And then I started playing a little better and was lucky enough to, to end up playing for the Cowboys. What does a kid from Oslo, Norway, get up to aside from trying to grow up to be a great golfer? Uh, well, uh, growing up, uh, in elementary school, all my classmates wanted to play soccer. So that was naturally one of the things that I wanted to do because all my friends wanted to do it. And then I noticed I wasn't really good at that either. So, uh, <laughs> I needed to find some that I could kind of excel at. So 
Yeah, I mean, every Norwegian, they like to ski and play soccer. That's pretty much it. How long is your season there? How many months of the year were you able to dedicate to kind of getting better at golf? I'd probably say seven months, seven, eight months, and for, yeah, probably seven months, but majority of the time, the courses aren't in very good shape. So it's uh, it's nice to be here in the U.S. (laughs) Well, yeah, so that brings us now to where you guys are now. That's a good recap on to your start, and there's obviously plenty of reasons why you would have chosen to attend Oklahoma State uh, with the the coaching staff and the teammates that you would have, the facilities, obviously the history of the program and producing PGA Tour players. But I'm just curious as to what you would consider and, and maybe what you would recommend other kind of youth athletes, junior players that are maybe trying to make similar decisions, what you feel like the most important criteria of all those elements that, that go into your college golf experience. Yeah, I mean... We're, we're all different people, and I think you need to find something that is going to work for you. Personally, I like one of the best things that I'll, or the nice things I like with, with Stillwater is that it's a pretty small town. Uh, we've got a great practice facility, and it's very convenient. You get up in, early in the morning, you go to class or work out, and then it's just straight out to the course and you practice all day. There's nothing really much to do. I think personally I would have struggled if I was going to school in L.A. or, uh, you know, at Florida State or Arizona State. I think it'd just be too much for me, sitting in traffic and all that stuff. So it's just a really good fit for me where I can really focus on golf. And obviously the coaches and the guys on the team seemed really nice, and it was a great fit, especially because Chris Ventura was on the team. He was a junior at the time when I came in, and we grew up a little bit playing golf in Norway. So he he was uh, big on me getting over there. Zach, how about you? Yeah, I, I agree with you, Javi. I think that stuff's really important. I think, like, for me, I, I really do like that the course is only 15 minutes away, and there's no traffic. It's pretty laid back. We have lunch at the course. So it's like you're just out there all day, and you're just kind of in a golf environment. I think for young kids, like having a coach, like a school coach that's smart, that's dealt with good players, so they know what to expect. They kind of know how good golf looks, and Coach Bratton definitely has that. So I think that's something that benefits. It's like when someone goes to like a top teacher, and, like, and the teacher goes, oh, you're hitting it sweet. And it just get, I think it gives a kid confidence. And I've definitely felt that way. It's like when Coach Bratton tells me I'm playing sweet, he's like, you know, he's seen Ricky and Kevin Play and Peter Uline and all those guys play. So it's like, okay, you know, I know my game kind of stands up, you know, and things are looking good. So Coach Bratton has spent a lot of time around the best juniors and and amateurs in the world, I guess, kick tires on what it takes to play uh, at the best level, amateur and professional and there's an expression, you're the average of five people that you, you spend most time around and you, you guys get to try and um, beat each other up, so to speak, as you're competing against qualifying or in qualifying against five or even collectively the entire team is, um, you, we're talking about some of the best amateurs in the world. So can you speak to the advantage of having that daily challenge? I, I want to hear from both of you actually on this. I, I think that's another one of the, the biggest benefits that Oklahoma State has to offer. And I think some of my best college memories were from last year when Sam Stevens was on the team and Chris Ventura was on the team. And Sam and I would play Victor and Chris kind of in a Ryder Cup match. 
and those were just some of my best moment, memories from college is, is playing those matches against each other, whether it's, you know, a one best ball or a two best ball or just, you know, a total strokes. Like, I think that competitive nature is, is really important for growth. How low did you go in those matches, mate? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I can think of one particular one where we got stung pretty hard by Javi making a deep one. <laughs> so the Euros got one up on the Americans again, Ross. Unfortunately, would... <laughs> yeah. More than one up. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I would for sure echo what Bosch just said. But um, personally, coming from Norway and, you know, the juniors coming out of that country, we, we had some good good juniors that were my age, but we weren't deep at all. And the same was kind of the case for uh, European juniors. You know, the good ones were really, really good, but it wasn't the fuel that tournament wasn't really deep. And coming over to the United States, I knew that, OK, there's going to be a lot of players that are really good. And obviously the ones that are playing for Oklahoma State or at other schools, they're really good. But I was really shocked coming over here. And then I noticed that, okay, wow, the sixth guy and the seventh guy and the eighth guy and the ninth guy are all pretty good golfers. Like if they, if they happen to be Norwegian, they'd be at the, you know, that on the national team, but I'd never heard of them before. And then suddenly, oh, wow, I thought I was a pretty good junior from, from Norway or, you know, I had some international accolades and then suddenly I'm, I actually have to golf my ball to, just to make the team. <laughs> and that kind of taught me quickly, okay, I need to be sharp on, you know, have my game out there every day and I can't, you know, just mess around. I, I need to really get better every day. So let's take a quick break in the action to recognize one of our partners, Under Armour. It's Under Armour's mission to make all athletes better through passion, design, and the relentless pursuit of innovation. And that ethos or mission statement couldn't be more aligned with the Earn Your Edge podcast. We're thankful to be powered by Under Armour. That's something that we try to speak to our clients on, you know, every day is that if we can train with a high intensity, it gets easier when it's actually the real thing. If you're, you're training to a certain level, just as you guys are kind of immersed in this environment where the level of play is so high all the time that maybe once you go out and get an event and play in an event, it doesn't feel like it's such a big deal because you're so used to that. And I, I think that that's another piece that we want to get into is what that daily life looks like because I think that a lot of times people may underestimate just how hard you guys are working and how disciplined both of you spoke to how important it was that you could have that singular focus during your time in Stillwater and really focus on golf. I'm wondering if if you guys can give us a little bit of a peek and allow us to understand what a typical week would be back in Stillwater, not necessarily a tournament week, but an off week where you guys are not only attending classes, but uh, continuing to work hard on your games. What's that look like? You go ahead, Stu. You've had it pretty nice the last couple of years, so you can explain that. (laughs) (laughs) I... uh... This semester, I've, I've been able to get all my classes online, so well I done. don't have any class in <laughs> class. We work out Monday, Wednesday, Friday at uh, 7.30. It lasts about an hour, so I would say Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm at the course at 10, and then hit balls in the barn because it can be a little chilly in the mornings till about 11.15, then Javi shows up for lunch, and then we have lunch. 
Gotcha. Um, and Tuesdays and Thursdays, I try to get up earlier, but it doesn't always pan out. <laughs> <laughs> and then we practice. We have dinner Monday through Thursday at the football stadium, so we leave at about 6.40 for that. Um, so the rest of the course, the rest of the day is at the course. And that's organized activity? That's an organized dinner that you guys have as a team, or is that something informal that you guys have just kind of gotten into the routine of? Yeah, so it's uh, it's training table, and it's something school offers if the coach is willing to pay for it. And Coach Bratton has been has been doing that for us. And I think right now we only have – I don't think Matt and Austin go, but the rest of us go. So that, it is kind of nice. We generally sit down, you know, the four or five of us and have dinner together. And how, how common is it to have that mix of online classes versus having to be in class? with? Because obviously there's a demand on y'all's schedule that's uh, pretty extreme. And not only with the college events that you have, but Victor, I, I assume you'll have an excused absence uh, next week for what you'll be doing. Uh, so, so just curious how, how common that is. Yeah, well, I can probably tell that uh, or say with confidence that Stanford isn't doing it. <laughs> yeah, um, gotcha. <laughs> why do you got to do us dirty like that, Harvey? <laughs> uh, I'm just a straight shooter, you know that. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, <laughs> it's very common on our team. I haven't really talked much with other teams about how they do it. I would say most most college kids have in-class classes. And that does become a little challenge when we're on the road, traveling all day on the course, and then suddenly it's nine o'clock after dinner, and then you got a an assignment due, and then it's very easy to not do it, and um, you know try to make up something to make it sound less bad, and then maybe get some points for it. But <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but uh, now we're you know we try to do the best we can, and then uh, take it advantage of the the time that we're actually in class and back home in Stillwater because we've been traveling a lot and, you know, you really got to be time efficient. Speaking of challenges, there's the challenge of keeping your game up to a world-class standard, particularly for both of you since you're far away from home, one of you more than another. But I think I've got, Victor, I think I've got your beats since I'm from Australia, so I came from... Yeah, you you do, actually. (laughs) But nonetheless, back to the question, I digress. Keeping your game up, you're unplugged from the circle of folks that helped you guys grow your skills to a world-class level. you still got to keep them up to that world-class level and continue to grow them. How have you guys been able to manage that away from these folks? That's a great question. I know Javi's spoken to that about the Norwegian players. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, I kind of like grew up working with my dad. And so dad would watch me practice, like kind of motivate me, swing coach, psychologist. He kind of did it all in one. You know, doctor, all all of that was my dad, and mm-hmm. so I would say my first, my freshman year at OSU was a big change, and it really made me take responsibility for who I am going to be on the golf course, um, what type of work ethic I'm going to have, and it, it took me a while to adjust. But I think that stuff, kind of being away and growing into my own person, has uh, made me a harder worker and ultimately a better golfer. Right on. And Victor? Yeah, absolutely. I remember in high school, I would have to take a, you know, a, a bus to school every day. My school was in the city of Oslo. And right after, as, as soon as I got done, about 3.30, I had to take some other buses with my golf clubs on the bus and to the course. And then I would practice. And then it'd be late, kind of got back home late and, and had to do homework. So it was a lot. 
pretty fast paced kind of the day. Uh, it was planned. I didn't really, really have that much time to do other stuff. And suddenly you go to college and you don't have as many classes. And, you know, the course is 15 minutes away. There's no traffic. It's pretty convenient. And then it's easy to just kind of, you know, just waste a lot of time. And you end up sitting around not doing anything. But it really helped me, you know, watching Zach in particular. Uh, we were roommates my freshman year as well. And, you know, kind of watching what he was doing and some of the other guys on the team. They were very disciplined. And uh, I learned a lot from my upperclassmen. And um, obviously the, the alum that we have at Oklahoma State, you know, the, you can get in touch with a lot of people that have improved a lot and done a lot of cool things within golf. So it's it's really nice to have those people. And so I've got to follow up to that, if that's okay. You spoke a lot yeah. about discipline. You both did, in fact, discipline and responsibility. And I guess to do things, the do the uncommon, and the uncommon is world-class golf. You've got to be willing and able to do those things that are that are necessary to improve, which is a time commitment, it's a sweat equity, it's also the intelligence of what to work on. And I wondered, how do you guys figure out, is it with the help of the coaching staff there at Oklahoma State, or is it through your own self-reflection or a combination of both of those things and something else maybe? I'll let you guys answer that. How do you figure out how to get to that next level, given that you're already so darn good? For me, Javi and I divide up our practice times very different, although we play a lot together. I, I would say I, I try to divide up my game kind of into four areas, um, putting, greenside approach, and drive. And I try to address each of those individual areas and so that I can kind of elevate them and see improvement through that. Um, whether I like to do putting games, I, I work with Cameron, so I, I've done a lot of the, the nine-foot gate drills, the 15-foot gate drills. Um, some other short putting inside 15 feet drills and to keep track of a score. And after a while, you kind of know like what scores normal. So if you, if you get above that, you're like, Oh, wow, that was good. I'm improving or I had a good day. Um, so I, I would say my practice kind of goes towards that. And then, um, I, I do like to play too. So I probably end up playing four or five times a week, whether at nine or 18 holes for me. Yeah. As Zach said, we, we do play a lot and I, would say I enjoy playing a lot more than I like to put down practice drills and, and stuff like that. I like to, you know, just kind of feel my way around it. Now I do spend a lot of time on the, on the range working on my swing and I'm very technical that way. But as soon as I'm playing a tournament or on the course, I kind of just do things a little naturally. And I like to do a lot of practice on the course and then just kind of check my stroke and my starting where, where I start the ball with a putter and stuff. And if I'm doing something really badly at a tournament, I'll try to focus on that uh, the next week instead of just kind of keep working on the same things, even though maybe ball striking might not be the part of my game that needs to be worked on that week. And then, uh, obviously coach Bratton and coach star are out with us on the tournaments and they can see what we're doing. So uh, we'll discuss, okay, what needs to be better, and they'll come up with suggestions on how to improve and, yeah, kind of go from there. That's what we see from 
the best players that we speak to is even when it's not quite there, they may not be feeling it technically, they figure out a way to get it done. And clearly you guys haven't taken any tournaments off this year um, based on, on where you guys have finished. You guys have figured out a way to perform at a very, very high level without necessarily your, your A game. Uh, Zach, you kind of spoke to a, a little bit of a piece earlier as being one of the upperclassmen that I wanted to come back to. How would you feel like, you know, because college golf is this, really strange, unique situation in golf where you do have this team atmosphere. How have you kind of taken the role of leader of the squad as a leadership role as one of only two seniors on the team? What actions have you taken as, as a leader that you feel have contributed to the success of the team? <laughs> that, that's a good no, question. Don't I, give him too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> uh, I definitely have felt there, there is a role change. Um, from my freshman year until now, when I first came to OSU, uh, Wyndham Clark and Jordan Eberge were the older guys. You know, Wyndham was, he had been here four years, but was a junior and, and Jordan Eberge was a senior. And those guys were kind of the leaders and kind of showed us young guys, you know, what to do, just kind of everything about Oklahoma State golf and just ha- how we handle ourselves. And now as, you know, at, like as a senior, I feel like that, that like I'm kind of in that position a little bit. So it's kind of the rules have reversed and now I'm trying to teach Amon and Rasmus, uh, <laughs> you know, like how we act as a team, you know, um, and to take responsibility and, and to work hard. And, and I give them a lot of crap, but yeah, sure. You know, <laughs> you, you want the best. That's where some of that camaraderie comes from, right? It, exactly. Yeah. You know, and, like that, that's all part of the game. And that's part of growing up is, is taking responsibility for who you are as a player. And I, I think like our young guys are doing a great job of that. Like they're, you know, developing and maturing, especially Amon. He's really grown up a lot. He's doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what, what is that, what does that team support look like for you guys? You know, whether that be formal, like organized activities that the, the coaches have, structured for you guys or or is it that kind of those conversations that informally happen between teammates kind of how you leaned on your teammates to continue to push you forward during this wave of success that you guys have because again it's one of those unique situations as cameron said at the very beginning you're, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time around and there just happen to be the people that you guys spend the most time is like looking at the top of the the wagger right now you guys are all there together <laughs> right and so it's this really unique situation one. that uh, i don't know that that many are able to experience so i i think that that's one piece that you know, as a coach i'm really interested in, in how you guys are supporting each other in that environment yeah i think it all kind of comes back to what the culture of the program is so obviously with i i don't know how it was back in the days when Ren harris was a coach and uh, you know the our program has high standards and when we're recruited to play for Oklahoma state, we all have kind of a common goal. So it's very easy. If you see one of your teammates struggling, or if you think that, okay, if you were to do this differently, you, you might be playing better. It's very easy to say that because you, you both have the same goals and you're invested in him doing well. And he's invested in you doing well. So it's just, we're in a, a spot where, you know, we just want the best for each other. And um, I think that all starts from the coaches with recruiting and kind of just setting an atmosphere where we all want to 
get better. Let's go back to coaches for a second. I know that, that Coach Bratton was on the bag for you at Pebble, Victor, and he'll, I, he will be on the bag for you again next week. Yeah, that's right. So speak to a little bit to that relationship and what that's kind of looked like and particular how he's been so successful being on the bag for you. Uh, yeah, I really liked him on the bag because he, he, I feel like he knows me well as a person and, and obviously he sees me play all the time so he can, you know, we can discuss clubs and he knows my game, but I feel like that's not the most important part. You know, we can have conversations about things off the golf course or uh it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what it is we just get along well yeah sure. and it also helps that he's he's played the pj tour and he's he's also catted at the masters a couple times before and he, he knows how kind of the pga tour circus works because he's been out there yeah. um and that that really that really comforts me knowing that okay i don't really know what i'm doing and then <laughs> It's it's good that I don't have like a caddy that knows even less than me because then we're just running around there with our heads cut off. Right. Um, so I can I can kind of rely on him because he's gonna you know uh, at least in my mind I think he's gonna help me play better and that just gives me a, a good feeling. It's nice to have uh, an advocate. Someone you can be comfortable with on the bag, I think that's one of the a very important piece of the puzzle as you're trying to do things you've maybe never done before, and this being a major championship and uh, being the Masters. And it brings me to a question on leveling up just collectively as you guys look to the future, and that future uh, holds uh, great hope and um, aspiration to be successful on the PGA Tour. You've both played PGA Tour events before, and so you kind of have a bit of a pulse on what it takes to succeed at that level. I want um, an answer from both of you uh, one at a time as to what you feel needs to happen for you to be successful as you level up and uh, compete at a pro level. I think kind of like as a college player transitioning into pro golf um, this summer, I think there's kind of a misconception with players and uh, and I've kind of felt this way, like a little bit about myself before I had played PJ Tour events. It's like, wow, my game has to improve a lot to get to where I want to be. But in reality, like I, I think a lot of guys playing the tour have just as many bad days. They kind of scrape it around. Maybe they manage it a little bit better. And then when things are going well, they are able to score well because good management and, and good skills. And so I, I think for me, the areas that I need to improve kind of like driving accuracy, short game, and iron play. I feel like my, my putting's good. Um, I have good weeks off my irons, but they can be sporadic. But the, the management is really important because, like, for four rounds, you're not going to hit it perfect every day. Um, and you're going to have, even in good rounds, bad spells of holes where you kind of miss. But if you can manage it right and, you know, maybe you get a ball up and down here or there and you save a par you know, you're able to score a lot better at the end of the week. Beautiful. And Victor? Yeah, I would say the same thing. They're really good at managing their, their games, and they don't really do really stupid mistakes. Usually, if they have a wedge in their hands, they're not going to miss the green and make a bogey. Oftentimes, they'll capitalize on it and make a birdie and then keep the round going where, you know, they can slice it in the trees on the next hole, chip it out, and then still have a 
kind of a decent chance at a par, but they might make bogey. Whereas a lot of times I find myself, okay, I'll, I'll hit a really nice drive down the middle. I'm in a perfect spot and I'll just short side myself on the wedge and end up making bogey. Whereas the other guy, you know, hit it in the rough off the tee, you know, hit it to maybe 30 feet and catch the putt for, for a birdie. Like, man, I actually played that hole better than you, I felt like, but <laughs> you beat me by two shots. Right. And I noticed that a couple of the guys uh, that I've played with out there, they kind of have a go-to shot that they, they just know. Like, they, they wake up every morning knowing, okay, today I'm going to have that little cut that I have. Nothing's really going to change. And when they're out on the course, they're not really trying to, okay, on this hole, I'm trying to hit a high draw to that pin or a low cut into this pin, hold it up against the wind. They're, they tr- they make this game pretty easy with what they have. If you know what you have, you can manage your way around the green and kind of just score as well as you can with what you have instead of kind of trying to be too perfect, if that makes sense. So yeah. they're, they're just really good score, scorers of the, of the ball. Absolutely. Both of those answers were absolute gold, so I can't wait for any aspirational player, in fact, any professional player that's going to listen to this to be reminded of, uh, of, of those very, very honest and um, gold nugget truths. So clearly you guys have been coached really well, whether that's from home coaches or and or uh, the college coaches. And it brings a, a question to mind, cowboy separators. And so rather than pose the broad and difficult kind of question to answer, uh, why has your team been so successful? Let's pose it a different way. What do you guys feel like you do differently? Like when you show up to a, a college event, and you show up with a, a lot of confidence and then you have an ability to at least see the competition and play against the competition and have conversations with the competition. Is there a couple of key things that come to mind that you guys think and know that we do this at Stillwater and that's why we're better than the competition? Yeah. Don't, don't be humble one, here. We, play on a pretty, we want secrets, mate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For <laughs> one, we play on a pretty hard golf course. Karsten's long. You don't get much rolling on the fairway, so you have a lot of long clubs in it. And mm-hmm. the greens are really slopey. So if you're able to shoot good scores out there, it builds comp. And then you go to a tournament like, wow. You know, I'm used to playing 7,500 at Karsten, and this course is 7,000, and we're getting rolling fairways. Like, yeah. I feel like I have short clubs in all day. You yeah. know, I think like that builds confidence for a lot of us so the, the, yeah. what you're saying is the challenge point in training is so high that anywhere else you go it's like oh this is just that little bit easier or a lot easier and exactly you should succeed mm-hmm. yeah fantastic yep. yep quick question on that because as i hear that and i hear things being so difficult on just a daily basis and even going back to our our question about before how you're having to compete so hard on a daily basis with these other players that you're surrounded with that are so good. Is there ever a point to where that can be a detriment to where you found that it's beyond a challenge or it's a challenge point beyond what's optimal, meaning that it's so hard that it becomes a detriment to like your confidence and your self-belief because you're constantly getting beat up by either the golf course that you're playing, the conditions, or just the players that you're playing against. And, you know, if so, how is that something that that you deal with is I imagine that's a conversation that you guys may have as a team. Yeah, that's, that's a, a good point. I think at, at Carson, because every hole is tree lined and it's kind of junk. And so if you, you're spraying it big, you're, you're losing balls all day. So it can be demoralizing in that factor. 
and we've had players kind of struggle their freshman year and then come back and play great their sophomore year, like Jonathan Moore, for example, who ended up winning a national championship his his redshirt freshman redshirt freshman year. But I, I think that if a player were to do that, he would be putting too much pressure on himself. And sometimes you have to understand where your game's at. So if you're getting beat every day, it's not the end of the world. It's not a big deal. It's just kind of where you're at. And so you got to find ways to improve. And I, I think even, I mean, because we're not on the tour yet. So a lot of us still have improvement to go. And so if you're getting beat by the guys at home, you're, you're probably not going to do very well as a pro- professional. So that you got to find ways to improve. That's gotcha. what I think. Can I ask you real quick, what does it take to qualify for the travel team? Well, depends on what week. Uh, we, we haven't <laughs> done a whole lot of, we haven't done a whole lot of qualifying this year, but last year we had some pretty good oh, yeah. scores not go. Yeah. Like five under for three rounds, not make it, I'm thinking. At Carson. All, all three rounds at Carson, we played every single oh, qualifying my gosh. round. Yeah. That's, oh my gosh. That's really good. Yeah. That's golf in your ball. Yeah. And I remember my freshman year playing the first qualifying round with Sam Stevens. I'm like, hey, look, what's a decent score around here? And we had kind of struggled the year before. And he's like, dude, like 72 is always fine. 73 and 74, like most of the time you'll go. <laughs> last year, that was simply not the case. You, you shot 71 every day and you're, you're probably going to miss. You, you know, guys are raising be, the bar. You're going to be on the bubble with that. Yeah. yeah I remember one of the one of the days we played and the wind was out of the south and it was blowing probably 25 to 30 miles an hour and i happened to shoot i was playing so good i probably shot 67 or something and then i came back in and five other guys had shot in the 60s and the worst worst score was a 71 i'm like what the hell unreal i thought i was gonna run away with this thing today (laughs) uh yeah so that's that was pretty crazy On the kind of topic that we just touched on is like dealing with those, like your expectations of yourself after playing at Carson so often. When you guys pull up to an event, I assume that guys or other teams are looking around and looking at you guys as the the team to beat. Do you guys get a sense of that? (laughs) Uh, A a little bit. Uh, Now, obviously, I don't know what the other guys are thinking, but we have had a pretty strong history in collegiate golf and we're, we're playing really well. So, uh, well, a little bit. I do get some questions from the guys that I'm playing with. So, yeah, a little bit. But, I mean, we still, still kind of birdies. And we have been beat a couple times. So, it, you know, it can be done. <laughs> yeah, and, and I ask that because I know that that must be just an unbelievable kind of boost of confidence as, as you, you get to an event and feel that way. But the, the flip side of that is is the expectations and that really, really high standard that comes with playing for Oklahoma State and all that history. So is that something that you got that you as a team or individually that you guys have discussed as being a possible obstacle as you guys, you know, you're trying to finish this race here. You've got a national championship coming up here in a, in a little bit. Is that something that you guys are, are wary of? Yeah, for sure. And I think for us, like the, the battles with defeat, kind of make us more disappointed than winning. And we just played the Valspar event down in Florida, and we didn't win. And it, it, it was really, it's a really sad flight home 
It's really quiet in the car. You just, you know, it's like, wow, we lost. This is sad. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> we've been we've been on a hot run, and um, but I think some of the times losing is there's a, a sobering effect there. It's like, wow, you know, if we don't play well, someone else is going to play well and win. And there's a lot of really good teams out there, so it's it's possible to happen every week. Yeah, no doubt. And, and the fact that you kind of have the target on your back is there's an extra little piece of pride in beating you guys right now with, with the success that you've had. So there's a little extra incentive that everybody else out there has to kind of go out there and beat you. For sure. We're, we're going we're gonna to start to wind down here. There, there, these are a few questions that we, we really like to ask all the people that we get to have these awesome conversations with. And you guys have already provided a ton of really, really good stuff for us. But compare yourself now as a golfer versus to maybe who you guys were just a couple of years ago as a junior golfer. And the reason why we ask this question is that so many of the professional players that we talk to speak to how impactful their college experience was and all the things that they learned. So you guys are, are living in it and you maybe have not had the, the same time to reflect that those players have. But as you can see it right now and kind of a little bit of, of self-reflection, what do you guys feel like is really the biggest difference from you now as a successful college player and, and you as a successful junior player? I think there's a lot of differences for me. One, I always, I always grew up dreaming and wanting of playing the PJ tour. And now that I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm at my last year, going to turn pro in June. Like I have more confidence that that's going to be a reality now. And I, I think as I've gotten older, I've, I've just every year seen a growth in confidence. And, and I think that that means a lot because there's a point where you're going to, I'm going to turn pro and maybe I'll struggle. Maybe I'll do well. But confidence is going to be a major factor because you're always there's always going to be bad weeks and are you going to be able to bounce back and, and have confidence and play well? Yeah, Victor, how about you? I would say the biggest thing has been technique for me. I, I didn't think my my swing was very technically sound before I got to college. So I've done a lot of work uh, throughout the past couple of years to kind of fix my errant shots or my, my missed hits. And it's gotten a lot cleaner, if that makes sense. So I feel more confident, obviously, with the results I'm getting with my swing. And that has really helped me to, to play well. But I think another another part that's been very big for me is that, you know, when you grow up in Norway and even, even play the biggest junior tournaments in Europe, you don't really play at firm and fast greens or kind of the types of conditions you play at here in the United States. So, for example, if you play the USAM or, I mean, it could be just a, a small college tournament even. And the place you're playing at is awesome. The greens are really firm and fast, and you just don't really get that. So that's been a very big learning experience for me to, you know, know that, okay, I cannot miss on this side of the green because then I have no chance of making a, a par. Always in, or usually in Europe, if you miss the green, there's always some sort of kind of flop shot that you can hit and make it stop. You, you just can't. There are certain spots on courses here that you just cannot miss at. You, yeah. You're just dead. So just course management and I would say just improve my technique has been the biggest parts. Victor, let's stay with you real quick. Play time forward less than a week now and you show up and it's Masters week. What are you most looking forward to? Ooh, uh, I don't know yet because I don't really know what to expect. I just got back from a trip to Augusta last weekend, 
And that was really good for me to see the course, just to kind of get. Now, I think that's very hard to do, but I got at least some of the wow factor out of the way. And uh, I'm thinking there's going to be a lot of people out there. So just kind of, you know, uh, getting used to that is going to be very exciting. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be a little different, even though I have played a couple tour events. I think the Masters is obviously going to be that on steroids. (laughs) Um, And getting to play with Patrick Reed and and Brooks Kepka is going to be uh, very fun. Yeah, very nice. So uh, another one of the quicker questions that we love to ask, and I'll give both of you guys a chance to respond to this unless it just so happens that the first response is the final verdict on it. What's the worst advice you hear someone uh, <laughs> provide who wants to create something similar to what the, what you guys have created in terms of world-class golf? Work hard and you'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's, it's not just all sweat equity and galaxies. <laughs> yeah, you, you gotta. I, I think there's an intelligence factor. Yeah, beautiful. Sure. Yeah, love it. Yeah, that's. Yeah, can't really find a better one than that. I, I yeah, I see so many guys. They're they're working their their butts off, and they you know they they do seemingly all the right things, but they're not getting better. You got to right, work on the right things, and you got to be smart. And then you know that's the hard part: figuring out what you really need to work on. So, so putting myself in the shoes of a listener and, and hearing you both kind of echo how important that golf IQ is, how do you feel like you develop that? Is that just a, a matter of your experience? Is that a matter of the coaching that you have access to now at Oklahoma State? Or what are the, the routes or the means that someone can begin to develop that, that golf IQ? You got to be curious. You got to ask that. questions. You got to try out things. If someone tells you, okay, this is how you do it, Test it out, and then you try the complete opposite. Yeah. Just to kind of get a feel for it. And then you see what works for you, and then, okay, what he said doesn't work at all, so you just scratch <laughs> that out, and then you try something else. And then you figure out, okay, this is what I do. Yeah, beautiful. Zach, you got anything there? No, I, I agree with Bobby there, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's a, there's a, a testing factor and a retesting, and just kind of over time, you piece it together. Yeah, beautiful. You guys are smart. I mean, a, a listener, if they didn't know you went to OSU, would probably think you guys were Stanford students. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. That, okay, that's when I know you're Australian because you're talking out of your rear end there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hand it right back to him. I love it. Bobby, you and I are going to get along next week at, at Augusta for sure, mate. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, guys, I know that it's late and it's a school night. I know you guys have all your studies that you spoke of, all your online classes that you probably have to get to here. Um, but I, I really, really do want to uh, thank you guys for coming on. You're, you're a credit to your university and your coaches. You represent your, your coaches and your teammates very, very well. And obviously, a ton of success so far this year. We'll be cheering hard as the year continues. Uh, Victor, obviously, next week will be a week to remember. And so we'll be cheering hard for you as well, most others and everyone that's listened here. So so thank you guys very much. Yeah, thank, thank you for having us. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Talk soon. See you guys. Thanks very much for listening to this episode. If you want to learn more about Altus Performance, go check out altusperformance.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Team Altus and Instagram at Altus Performance. Also, thanks to Cordy Walker for his wonderful production work on this and coming episodes of Earn Your Edge. <laughs>